This is Katie. And this is Sarah. We're two friends who are kind of obsessed with a little of this and a lot of that and everything in between. Welcome back. How you doing? I am so good. I'm a little tired tonight. Are you? Well, it is Friday night. But it you is do Friday have, night. We have glasses of white wine. Pinot Grigio, in fact. Very cold, crisp. But very cold and crisp. Tastes That's... like I'm in Italy. Oh. Well, <laughs> All of a sudden, I just like went somewhere. You sound awake now. I feel awake. Well, that's what wine does to me. It has the opposite effect on me as it does on actual other people. That's because you throw uppers in it. <laughs> well, we do do a little bit of that, too. <laughs> How are you, Katie? I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing well. TGI. I'm, um, I'm, re- I'm feeling really good about not setting any New Year's resolutions. Smart. Because um, I feel like, what's the point? Do you normally? Um, no. 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 Oh, okay. So yeah. so you're just, just sticking to, to another, your guns. Yeah. You're a smart I'm girl. A yeah. Wow. You've already. really really fought against your inner your inner voice <laughs> saying, make a resolution. But you're like, yeah. no. No. I don't have any inner voices. No. Yeah. You don't have any issues to I don't have any problems or I don't even know if that's the right word, but yeah. resolve maybe. I don't know. Exactly. Do, you know me so well. I do. I'm I'm kind of obsessed with you. Yeah. You know, I I'm back at work, and uh, the other day, I actually this was yesterday. I had kind of a so mini timely. mini revelation. Um, I went to a coffee shop in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where I work part of the time, and it was a local coffee shop. And I won't say the name of it. Starbucks. No, I'm just kidding. no. That's kind of what this is about. Oh. Um, and I like to support local coffee shops when I can, on occasion. <laughs> and I got a cup of coffee and some. I don't know, oat thing in a cup. And I sat down to, oh. to do my work and the coffee was disgusting and lukewarm and the oats were um, dry Oaty? and yeah, like just kind of pasty and gross. And I decided that I am a straight Starbucks coffee drinker. Wow. And I know that that's really kind of taboo to talk about because Starbucks is such a large corporate entity. Um, But I have no shame. I just, I love how Starbucks coffee is like consistent every time and super hot. And I'm kind of over the local coffee shop. Ooh. Yeah, is that bad? I think you just tore apart the fabric of America. But no, (laughs) and I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I think it's you and I think it's great. I think you are a titan of industry. Yeah. And you're out to just eat up the, the little man. Yeah. That's so funny that you bring it up. One, I don't, drink coffee, so I don't know from it. Nobody wants you to drink coffee, by the way. So please do not ever start. No, no, absolutely. But I was saying the same thing about Amazon today. I was like, I feel terrible, but I flipping love fucking Amazon. Like, I love the fact that I can have a whim, order something, and then like 10 minutes later, I can have another whim and order something else because there's no like shipping. But I do know that is a terrible thing to do, one, to our environment and my carbon footprint, and also to how poorly allegedly they treat their um, employees. So I feel terribly about it. I know. And it's funny you mentioned that because there's a book that I want and I looked it up on Amazon just today. And I thought to myself, you know what? There's a bookstore in my neighborhood. I'm not going to order on Amazon. And I walked to the bookstore. It was Barnes and Noble. <laughs> but I walked to I walked. Mr. Barnes and Ms. Noble yeah, exactly. store. I went of to their, course. I yeah, think I've heard small, of it. That one. Yeah. But little... they didn't have the books. So I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to order on Amazon. Is that so, oh, um, you know? Barnes and Noble didn't have, what book were you looking for? Um, you don't even know. I don't remember the title You don't want it. to admit it. It's like how to read faster book. It's how to read. How to read. Well, that's not going to help you. Get a tape. It's how to deal with toxic friends. Oh my God. That's so funny. 
You know what, Katie? Use Starbucks and Amazon. You can go fuck yourself. Anyways, well, I'm really excited about this episode because why? Uh... Well, a because I'm on it. <laughs> I was actually going to lock you out of the studio, but fine, whatever. Josh, let you. No, in. we have our great... handsome producer. Yeah, we have great guests today. They are going to tell their personal story about their relationship to basically being members of a cult for their childhoods and into their, I think later in life too and how it impacted their life and um it's a cult slash mega church and uh i'm fascinated as i'm sure most people are um about these organizations and how they impact people how they operate how they even stay alive in 20 now 2020 right right. but today i was i've been thinking a lot lately about the fact that i am six years old and um how old six years old i'm 46 years old and i'm single and how i envisioned singledom at this age 5 10 15 20 years ago and i never thought that i would be this age and I mean, completely single, fellas. Completely. Fellas. Fellas. Her number is one nine hundred five. It is five cents. I mean, five dollars a minute. Five cents. God, what is my worth? Um, But I remember vividly uh, having a friend whose older um, sister was probably my age and single. And I was probably 31, 32. And I was like, oh my God, if I ever get to be blanty six and I'm single, like somebody like whatever. And I feel so empowered being single. I, I'm very much, again, fellas, fella. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have a huge male audience, I'm sure. Um, I'm definitely, you know, looking for a, a life partner and all mm-hmm. that goodness. But it's not something that defines me. And, you know, you still have to play the game. And finding a guy, a suitable man, is, you know, like looking for like your favorite, most awe-inspiring, fulfilling job. And these dating apps, um, which certainly have come up and become more sophisticated since I did start dating, but I have been using them since the dawn of time. I'm like, who the F are these freaking people these profile pictures of these guys. You show me some of these. It is. It's I unbelievable. Wish, I almost wish this was a video because bless their hearts. And believe me, I'm not making fun of them in terms of their need to find a woman because I have the same need to find a man. But I would imagine you'd want to put your best foot forward. These fucking dudes, they're like shady pictures, literally fuzzy. One's holding a with cat. Holding a cat. <laughs> and I don't know or what chick is like smoking a cigar or sitting right next to his trailer. Or his ex-wife. <laughs> or his wife. What is this? Also, ethical non-monogamy. Somebody explain that Wait, to me. Wait, what is this? Ethical non-monogamy. I, don't even, I, I didn't even understand. I mean, I know it's what you and your husband practice. Yeah. Um, but I have, ne- like, this is the bullshit that they try to get you involved in. Because I may be totally, you know, empowered being single and, you know, all that good stuff. I don't need a man. I want a man. All that fun. But now it's like, we're going to feed you all this bullshit to get you to date us. Like, I am, yeah, look, I have a girlfriend Wait, and a husband, but I we're in a... Ethical, non-monogamous, like you, fuck. So you've you. had, you've, have you had couples solicit no, your services? No. Okay, my services. <laughs> your oh free God. services. What, what exactly would they get? Like just like a know. really fun gal to chat with. <laughs> 
who talks your fucking ear off, fellas. Doesn't that what everyone, isn't that what everyone wants? <laughs> That's what everybody's looking yeah. for. But it's just, I don't know what it means. I have had, I did meet a guy in a bar. This was not on a uh, app. And uh, I was with a good friend of mine. And this guy and I had great chemistry, I thought. And it's very rare that I meet men in bars anymore. And uh, he was super cute, you know, not like, mm, whatever, Matthew McConaughey. I don't know why I said him. But anyway, <laughs> um, and uh my friend was like, oh, you should ask her for her phone number. And so he did. And then he texted like two seconds after he left. And then he was like, I have a girlfriend, but like our, her like dream, what her biggest turn on is for me to meet somebody at a bar and just take them home. I was wow. like, slow clap for you, sir. Right. God bless your life. Um, that sounds like a huge fucking lie to me. Yeah. But it's seriously something that I wanted to get involved in. Yeah, so I could tell. We're still I mean, fucking. Why? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. No, why wouldn't you want to get involved with that? I know. I feel like a dick. Yeah. But anyway, with that said, um, dating is now my cult. And um, wow. Yeah. So yeah. if anybody, that got real. So okay. if anybody knows of any like good guys, you know, slip into our DMs. Follow so, us yeah. at underscore kind of obsessed <laughs> underscore podcast. This is yeah. my I'm your living, sidekick. breathing profile. Yeah. It's right Am I your, I'm your wing woman, basically. You're, uh, yeah. You're real good at it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we should uh, kick this little. Let's do it. Let's I can't wait it. for this interview. I know. Me neither. So let's get started. Um, today, we have a fascinating conversation, I think, with two really exceptional people. There is a mega church, some would call it a cult, out there all over the world, actually. This one specifically is called so Sovereign Grace Ministries. It's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. And our guests today um, were involved in it, grown up in it, um, raised in it, no longer in it. This particular SGM, as those in it call it, um, it's been plagued with scandal um, from yeah. sexual abuse to leaders of it deciding that they are no longer Christian, which I would imagine mm. would make any person question their faith. Um, and we are really joyously excited to introduce our two guests who um, are badasses. So thank you guys for being here. We have Vi Moran and her husband, Topher Moran, uh, and we will actually find out if those are their real names. <laughs> but uh, as we get started, guys... Tell us how you got into this. I know that you were brought up in it, um, but tell us more about what is Sovereign Grace Ministries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, she was in it more before I was, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so my parents, I think, started going when I was six months old. We moved uh, to Pennsylvania, and I don't know if they met people that went to the church. I'm not really sure how they were introduced, uh, but they started bringing us. So I think we were going to the one in Pennsylvania until I was almost 10. Um, and I would say that was kind of more just felt like church. It was less of, I mean, I was also much younger. I probably wasn't reading into a lot of the teaching quite as much. I mean, I know my parents were still very... Um, keeping us homeschooled and wanting us to kind of only have our friends be within the church. Uh, but to me, that was just, well, we're Christians and we are friends with other Christians. I think I didn't really think past that at that age. Um, and it wasn't until we moved to North Carolina when I was 10 and we started going to the church there that I think I, as becoming a teenager, realizing how legalistic, if we're allowed to use that word, that's, I'm sorry, triggering Topher, but <laughs> uh, just realizing how strict the church was and kind of seeing how they started to want more and more control. Yeah. Uh, I came to it through my mom who had been divorced and had some, uh, I wouldn't say trauma, but she was certainly kind of, I think, running from something. Mm -hmm. And she found, obviously, an answer and comfort 
through this organization. I grew up, honestly, like Catholic, not religious, but just sort of like probably most people in the States, like go to church for Easter, uh, Christmas, things like that. But like it was it was kind of um, jumping into the deep end for me. Um, she got remarried, um, because of the church. So <clears throat> yeah, I was kind of like along for the ride. Um, how I mean, old were you we when were. you, I was uh, 11. Yeah. Um, actually no, I was probably 10. So most of my family is still in Connecticut. She decided to move down to North Carolina, um, for personal reasons. I'm not sure most of which she's not really clearly told me and, uh, we can get to that later, but, <laughs> um, I basically found myself in this completely new environment, new state, new people, like, yeah, completely foreign. Um, and also, you know, for her. And so I think, you know, she really was running from a lot of things. She fell in with this group of people who gave her, accepted her. And, you know, and I, I think, you know, I'm not judging them. I think they really had good intentions. I think it's a result of, you know, the environment that they were coming from. I also feel like it's pretty... Um, can be pretty duplicitous and pretty vile. But <laughs> what, what are the fundamental principles so, of the Sovereign Grace Ministries? Can you tell us a little bit about yeah, the organization? Yeah, and, and their, their history goes way back to like, you know, the People 70s. That's yeah. not way back for yeah, I know, religion. I know. But yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Uh, well, but they, they are sort of, they, especially when we were growing up in it, they really drew from a lot of like theology and um, Martin Luther. Yeah, a lot of just principles from early, early sort of Protestant um, Reformation, things like that. Puritan, a lot of very, uh, very strict, as you said. And that's where like the term legalism comes into play because it was like uh, very sort of by the rules. You take the Bible as, you know, literal Written. from the most insane, hard to imagine um uh, hard to kind of wrap your head around and even rationalize thought <laughs> to like the most contradictory. So yeah, very literal and um, ultimately sovereign grace, you know, so like Vi said before, it was people of destiny. And I think they probably realized from a marketing point of view, that was not going to like mm. draw people. Also, uh, very cultish yeah. <laughs> also, it's very limiting. Like, I don't know if I'm a person of destiny. Are you a person of destiny? Are, <laughs> but who doesn't, wanna, who doesn't want to be sovereign? I mean, well, yeah. Or well, graceful. Yeah, or grace, yeah, full yeah. of grace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the sovereign grace, if we broke that down, you know, it sounds nice. Grace, that's a good mm -hmm. thing, right? Mm hmm but at the core of it, fundamentally, you're, you're taught that you are evil and corrupt and sinful from birth. Uh, so They love to say you're a worm. That was like the favorite thing to teach kids to mm. say, I'm a worm. Like, I'm not good. Nothing I do is good. Everything I do is sinful. There's nothing I do that is good. That's like, one of the teachings. Yes. They you're, teach very young. Like, even if you do something nice... You probably did it you, to you, get something, and therefore it's bad. Yeah, wow. you have to introduce, why, why do I need you? There's a problem here. Where do we fit into this, right? Like, so if I'm, I don't know, I feel I'm doing pretty well, and, you know, I'm nice. I, I help people out. Like, why do I need this strict, you know, rule book? And it appeals to people who are looking for that rigidity in their life and someone to tell them what to do because they've been lost. Um, so I think it's comforting to a lot of people. And unfortunately, they don't know. It's like extremism. They don't know when to stop. They don't know when to say, okay, I can apply some logic and common sense. And like, what does my gut say here? Well, especially children. Yeah. I mean, what are yeah. the most vulnerable 
population, I mean, they're not going to have the wherewithal to question authority. So if you yeah. can get them young. Did you guys believe that of yourselves when you were oh, children? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You did? Yeah. See, I, I had a different experience. I think because I grew up such like... You were so I, young. I don't remember not going to mm-hmm. that church. Right. So, yeah, I think I grew up with that where, yeah, you came in later. I, I had a very clear, like, moment <laughs> where I was now in it. A and I also had family in Connecticut who I was going back and visiting a couple times a year. So I had I had an outlet and something to kind of contrast the environment that I was in. Um, but, the you know, the nature of that kind of... Uh, group is they try to limit your exposure to other things that could possibly challenge it. That's like homeschooling. The very, very so they, you know, it's, it's obviously that's what a cult does. Um, whether or not sovereign grace is a cult, it's sort of, it's almost like too big in some ways to be a cult. And like, they don't, but the mentality is very much, if you're not with us, you're, you're going to hell. Yeah. And and that goes down to like Catholics, Mm. Jews, like it doesn't matter. Muslims, especially, you're definitely not making it. But like, <laughs> uh, even other denominations, I had friends that were just Baptist, and my parents were kind of like, "We need to be really careful and limit your time with them because we don't know what they're taught, and, and that, therefore that could be dangerous to you." And that comes from that, like, they hold on so tightly to this thing that once they, it's 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 the house of cards. Once you take one away, it all comes tumbling down. So you need to keep strengthening that house of cards by adding more cards. <laughs> and right. what ends up happening is you just keep introducing these, okay, baptism, right? Like that's probably not something you guys have thought about. I don't know, maybe you have, but no. as an adult, that's something that you still do in sovereign grace mm-hmm. because they don't believe in infant baptism. So baptism from like a scriptural point of view is it's, it's, it's essentially like a metaphor of washing the old away and introducing the new you go. Mm-hmm. And where Getting it starts to, to get insane yeah. is like, okay, why don't why is infant baptism a bad thing? Because it's not submersion. So now we're talking about like, okay, now you have to go under the water. Well, they also <laughs> want you to make a logical. So, they they like and the they, choice. They yeah. want you to. They bring kids that are like eleven and twelve. They get up and say, "Yes, I understand. I'm a sinner, and I'm going to go to hell if I don't have God." So they they want people to be able to say that to them in order to like earn the right to be baptized as well. Wow. So the babies can't, you know, so we were knowing full well that it's actually not really their choice. Yes, it's just abs- sort of I mean, it's things they've do. been indoctrinated yeah. since they were, yes. in your case, born. And for you, Topher, you know, there was obviously a moment in your life when you knew, and that that is such an amazing difference between the two of you. You knew that this was kind of, I'm paraphrasing and putting words in your mouth, bullshit, yeah. maybe. And did you find, and do you find now in retrospect, and we'll continue this conversation, that most people who get involved in either evangelical or zealousness in mm-hmm. general, mm-hmm. that they are trying to fill a void, um, that they are the vulnerable, not just children, um, that they are lost souls. You know, I lived in Los Angeles for a long time in Scientology, just fed upon mm-hmm. people there. And that's not even where it was developed. So no. there's vulnerable people everywhere. Sure. Um, but did you find that that seemed to be like a through line through your friends and your your co-worshippers? Yeah, I would say the like adults more. My parents, you know, like my dad was a Vietnam vet and definitely has some post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. And my mom had, you know, a really broken home and abuse in her past. And, you know, I, we had people that finding out later that they were closeted homosexuals that got married and had a bunch of kids. You know, I think all of them were trying to fill. Every cliche. Yeah. Check, check, wow. check. Yeah. Right. And were you both homeschooled? I was until seventh grade. I started school in seventh grade. And I was the opposite. I basically was homeschooled sixth grade through high school. And yeah. 
And what, what's that like to be homeschooled? I think there's a resurgence of it nowadays, but maybe in a different light. Yeah, I mean, I know some women that are my contemporaries who sure. are interested in homeschooling their children, which um, I'm just, I'm curious about it. But what was it like for you guys? I think for me, just because it was the younger years, like I didn't have a computer to go. I feel like now, and maybe you can speak more to that for you, I think for high school, but like my homeschooling was definitely just sitting down with my older brother and my mom going over things with us. Um, I was just talking to someone about sixth grade. We had moved uh, out of North Carolina for a year and I taught myself, like my mom couldn't teach me at that point. So it was just like, here are your books, go do school. Like I just taught myself sixth grade. <laughs> so I feel like there's it's normal. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but we, <laughs> totally. Sorry. And did you go and then did your parents decide like that they weren't able to educate you anymore? Okay. And that's why you went to a school so after sixth grade. They would. Um, okay. So my mom, I think worded it like she kind of said, I probably can't teach you, but she would tell me every year that she was praying to see if I was supposed to go to school that Mm. year. And I remember her coming to me for either fifth or sixth grade and saying, we were going to send you to school this year, but I really feel God's telling me that like irreparable damage will be done to your soul if I send you to school Mm. this year. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And she was just mm -hmm. like, so not yet, not this year. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Um, And my older brother was in school. So I remember always being like, she would send him, but kept me home. I think because I was a girl. Was that, I was going to say, is that related to gender? Uh, we, we don't have nearly enough time yeah. to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I'm sure, Again, yeah, that's a, a separate part of yeah. series. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, mean, they're very, very, I would assume yeah. much so. The amount of women yes. being home. It is yeah. rooted yeah, in, in what they believe. Home and having, I mean, your worth And is there's no need to be educated as a woman, probably. Of course not. Yeah. Because you're, you're, you're there to yeah. support. I'm not joking. That is literally what we were told growing up. Like yeah. the husband leads, the woman, the wife supports. Yes. Like, and not necessarily, hey, do this in the kitchen, but even uh, late 90s, this was still being like, yeah, yeah. You, you're there to help as Eve, because they're very literal, helped Adam because Adam was there first, I guess. It's like school, uh, going to college is okay if you're using it to, you know, homeschool your kids or if it's something that is supporting your husband. It yeah. wasn't like your, your most responsibility girls weren't going to college to get a career. And none of your friends, I mean, did you go to college? I went to a community college for two years. So I have an associate's degree because my dad was kind of like, you might be able to use that with homeschooling. <laughs> or like, you know, if your husband dies, it might be good if you could support <laughs> your kids. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's something yeah, to that's... just wait, you know, Listen, hope for, wait for. Yeah, well, yeah, that's also a founding principle. It's very morbid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not like the most optimistic bright, sunshiny mentality. It doesn't sound like it. <laughs> well, uh, your, your, your main object of worship is literally uh, a man who's been tortured and is hanging on it like the worst right. <laughs> is bleeding, crime, like, pun- yeah, yeah. punishment for crime. Yeah. I was thinking right. that recently, just like worship songs that we'd all sing and how disgusting they are. I can't imagine my kids standing there singing about like... I, I didn't even send you some of the songs ahead of time so you could wrap your head around it, but it is like, it is really disturbing because you're... Oh, I saw congregations of, of people, thousands of people singing about. Yeah, these I mean, are prayer uh, meetings you're talking about. No church, or church. just church, just mm-hmm. attending. So, yeah. what were those like? I mean, were okay. people speaking in tongues, oh, or yes. like oh. what? Tell us, like, what was that experience? Like, what and goes it's on there? They want you to start speaking in tongues in high school. They start kind of. What so does there that was even a moment. Mean? Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, okay. I was going to say they they very much want you. They would do like we'd have a guest speaker come in and be like, we're going to all talk about the Holy spirit and him entering you and like how you could start speaking in tongues. Not like that, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> Sarah loves yeah. to speak in tongues. Yeah. No, Ooh, entering. Oh, uh, <laughs> that too. Uh, but I remember, and they were, I went through, I think 
were you there when we went through the wave of them trying to be like, and the Holy Spirit like pushes you down and all of that? Yeah, yeah. Have you guys seen like the old, um, what's the guy's name? I don't remember. Benny Hinn or something like that? Not Benny Hill, but uh, <laughs> essentially the <laughs> same comedic effect. Yeah. But knocking, like the Spirit moves you so much that you fall over. Mm. Yeah. So they would, even with kids. And uh, honestly, one of the guys that I remember coming over to come over and I thought I was really special because he was like the guest speaker and he'd come over and lay hands on me ended up being a pedophile so that was wow like, oh well yeah. we'll dig deeper yeah. into that <laughs> swipe, swipe the leg yeah. while he does that yeah. <laughs> always yeah, swipe it's the a leg. miracle yeah. yeah yeah but it was mostly like we I think we had like 45 minutes of worship time and then you'd sit for so a sermon that's the other thing that like I, I don't think most people traditionally if you grow up in church catholic whatever it's like an hour boom in out there you go Get through a couple of hymns here. Body of Christ. Yes, exactly. That's that yeah. kind of is like the nice thing to break it all up. And then uh, this was... <laughs> nice little Friday night. Yeah. You get a little yeah. food, a little yeah, wine. Yeah, a little tapas. wine. And you're out. Talk to your top pastor. Is, yeah. <laughs> you're done. Go home. Yeah. Have a snack. For the top of Christ. Netflix and chill. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> so you would essentially sing for 45 minutes. And that that could include... Um, and Topher led worship <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah. Topher led worship sometimes. Uh, oh, wow. Maybe you could, you know, <laughs> lead us in a little, lead song, us in a little yeah. song and prayer later. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Oh, my. That's going to be a little um, outro segment. I think. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, God. Um, what was the question? <laughs> what church was like? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's two hours, essentially. And so, the, and that's just the, the morning. The, that's the, You have to go back for other things. Every day? No, every no, no, Sunday. No, no, no. Every Sunday. Okay. I mean, we still had... You have there were daily things and, that like, were... We, they kind of expect that you are fully invested in the church, especially if you become a member. They want you doing multiple things. So, like, you, they want the women leaving different child care things. We led youth group together, which is the teenagers. We had home group things. Like, and I feel like those things doing... are... Those are fairly common in, in like, mainstream right. mega churches. Like... And I, I don't think that's necessarily. No, like, I mean more uh, the insistence that they you could be doing more. You should be putting all of your free time into. Yeah. That. Yeah, and, and that's he, where it becomes like the the idea. Sure, is great. Let's all get together, and I think that's kind of where the the thought is. Church doesn't have to be one day a week, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm I, I buy that, right? Whether it's a community, whether it's like a group of friends, like coming together, neighbors. There's like something, I think, primal about that that we connect. We find tribes, right? Like. Mm-hmm. We we constantly look for those things. I follow Arsenal Football Club. It's a community. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there is something inherent in us as people to to crave that. The problem is, yeah, they, you just start making rules and it becomes like, well, if you don't do it, well, then... It's, a, it's also a power play. Yeah. Like when power starts to be abused and children start to become manipulated and people that are vulnerable start to be taken advantage of, I think that becomes a whole other issue, you know, in addition to the community aspect of it. Yeah. But it's also about isolating you from people who have different views. So the more time you spend with each other, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, the more it you compounds. like talk about how much I love this, this church and you know, there's nobody else to be like, um, yeah, I can go kiss other people and do other things. Cause I really want to touch upon yeah. really. That's what I found in my research really fascinating about. And, and believe me, there are tons of, there's Jewish guilt, there's, Catholic guilt, you know, you're not allowed to do lots of things in many religions when it comes to dating and all of those things, um, sex particularly. Um, But this Joshua Harris fellow Mm. who was the head of your, um, I'm just going to call it SGM. If that's cool, guys. And uh, he wrote a book when he was like eight, not really, but he was like 20 and it was a bestseller about um, kissing. I kissed dating goodbye. I kissed dating goodbye. And this was 
very popular and started some sort of purity culture yeah. within your um, religion cult. Um, tell me what it was about. How did that affect your lives and m- many people that you knew? Yeah. I mean, I remember he, we had this big um, conference every year called Celebration where multiple churches would all get together and the main leaders would come talk to like auditorium filled like I think like three sermons a day it was something crazy and I remember that's where I first heard him because he would come and talk to the high schoolers and he just went on talking about I think he dated I don't I think I've purged most of that book from my head but he (laughs) had dated and got his heart broken and realized that that was like not good and basically that the purpose is like you should be dating with a purpose was basically his his idea and basically you shouldn't date if you're not looking to be married and therefore you shouldn't date someone that you wouldn't choose to marry. And within that, if you do find someone that you thought you might want to be married to at some point in your life, there's still the purity of we don't talk about that we like each other. You don't, you're not physical at all. It's about what is God telling us? Are we supposed to be together? Um, And not like allowing that to draw out. So basically you would have to have a very, what they'd call courtship, a very fast courtship. And it's yes or no, do you want to marry this person? Is that how you proposed to her? Yes or no? Yes or no. Yes or no, right now. Was it a note? Uh, I think it was just sort of like a... Check the box. (laughs) (laughs) I I literally had to ask her dad, which, you know, I think people now... Yeah, sure. But it wasn't like, oh, hey, I want to respect him. It was like, no, I have to. So it's arranged marriages? Or how does You had to ask to even, like court me like my dad sat me down and said a boy has approached me and asked about a boy courting you Ooh. I mean, yeah, it was a boy and I was like which one because if it's not the one I like then no right. you know and he yeah. was like and I had remember having to act like I didn't really care I, I liked him already and so I was just like yes I'd be okay how old that. were you guys 16 16 oh my god so sorry what, oh. what so what was the culture before this book came out in terms of Rampant dating sex just, in the yeah. <laughs> okay just, so this is my dad's yeah. hey i remember my dad saying Nothing. i could date when i was 18 it's he was just, just like it was going to be just a normal right so it wasn't like oh we have to course correct here things are out of control yeah. no it was just i mean I they think were it, still like no sex before marriage right but it wasn't like any kind of it's, control over the dating it was part of the same mentality of like extremism we have this topic and we're just going to go as literal as possible. And by doing so, if, if we, if anything contradicts this, our whole, our whole theology falls apart. So you have to sort of just keep going further and for, you double down, right? Every single time. Mm. Um, so this thought came along and it's like, yeah, sure. And he, he has scriptural evidence to say why he's saying these things. Um, and you can't argue with scripture as part of this. So um, people just started nodding their heads and then it's like, yeah, let's do this. Let's like, let's start putting some boundaries up. And then it's one of those things where someone, it's a herd mentality. Everyone starts doing it. Who's going to be the first one to say, I'm not into this. Let's not do this. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the, things... the whole community is basically saying like, no, this is approved. This is, this is the way that it should be. And this was like the leader of your church. I mean, well, it wasn't the, like, no, was... I would say the, the leaders weren't distinctly telling us that we had to do it. They were very much like, this is a great idea and kind of, I think encouraged it, but I don't remember straight. Yeah. It was, it was, wasn't necessarily part of sovereign grace initially. Like this dude wrote a book and like I said, everyone sort of latched onto it. There were people like to their credit at that time saying, Ooh, maybe this isn't like uh, teenagers shouldn't be courting and like getting married. That might pose some issues down the line. But again, I don't think people really, they just wanted to keep buying into it. So they just went along with it. And 
it's difficult when there's like scriptural evidence to say like, yes, this is a good thing um, for someone to take a stand against that. Okay. So once this book comes out, apparently your families, you two latched onto it. How did that create your dating experience? How did that start after your father told you that this guy named, what was your name then? <laughs> it was Chris. Okay. Chris um, asked you, and what was your name, Vi? Amy. Okay. So when Chris asked your father. Mm-hmm. Which I was 18. I'm sorry. I was 16 when I started liking him. 18. Oh, when Two years of a, that's like my whole life. What happened after you decided that, you know. It's very awkward. Yeah. Um, I said. Love it. Yes. And acted like I didn't care because I didn't want him to think I was overexcited because um, that would be like, you're not guarding your heart. They love you to guard your heart. And Topher came over the next day. It was Christmas. And my dad literally sat us down and was like, courtship is beginning. Like it was. Your horrible. dad established the courtship, like yes. the beginning of the courtship. Yes. I did he shoot, not he shoot a little gun? imagine my father starting my courtship. <laughs> my dad's still trying to start my courtship. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, inappropriate. Go on. Uh, yeah, and I think we had our first date. Um, oh, we were lucky it? in the sense we didn't have chaperones. A lot of the uh, courting couples had to bring like a younger sibling didn't, in order to ensure there was no a funny, funny business. business. Yeah. My oh, jinx, you yeah. too. Another glass of wine. <laughs> so what was the first date? We went to, do they have Maggiano's here? We went to a Maggiano's. Yeah, it's like it's a, a pizza. A, it's, a, it's an yeah. Italian restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And you were 18? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. And had you... Couldn't even drink. Ugh, that's stupid. Yeah. We, couldn't get, we couldn't drink when we got married. That's true. Oh, my God. So how long did you date for? We got married the next day. <laughs> <laughs> wait, no, but wait. What, so what... I, I, we dated until Valentine's Day. Because we're... He proposed on Valentine's Day. Like, hormones raging... Right. Uh, you just want to have sex. The only way to have sex is to get married. You're like a Jonas brother. So yeah, it's like, exactly. Riddle me this: How is this supposed to work? How are you setting up this system in which you're supposed to like just sort of naturally? It's it's yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We were oh my to god. Hold hands and since we got. We were engaged. too good. At, we were. We were. <laughs> Wait. Okay. You weren't allowed to hold hands before Definitely you no. got engaged. No. So did you? Did you guys Had touch you... at all? I mean, did you? Uh, did you? Or did you really strictly no, abide we by the rules? I mean, we didn't go all the way, but no, we were not like. Oh, once oh, we were engaged, even... though, not when we were dating. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. When but... was your first kiss? The oh. altar. Come on, stop. Wait. Oh my God. Wait. Your first kiss mm-hmm. was at the altar. Like a Duggar? Yes. Okay. Do you know what sluts Sarah and I feel like right now? Whores. Like a Duggar. That should be the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I needed that because yeah. we were very confused. Yes. Okay, so they I get it. Above and beyond, my, I remember it was, if that wasn't in there that you had to wait, but it was like, wouldn't this be the, the best gift to give your husband? Is that your, your lips? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, but being like oh. your first kiss is... <laughs> At the altar. That's Actually, the it would have been like uh, a career. That would have probably been the best uh, gift. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but so in terms of you guys doing things before that, there was just no kissing. That was like, I mean, we weren't you're no, like pretty woman. Sex. It was, yeah. No, I know was, you weren't having sex. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You didn't jump to sex and then, oh, and let's then just kiss. kiss at the altar. <laughs> yeah. But like, like you weren't, yeah, yeah, but you weren't, you weren't doing, you were doing other things. I don't need to know what they are. I mean, Sarah, sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. I'm, it's gone. <laughs> we Listen, we were not, um, we were still, we felt bound by this yeah. thing. So we weren't going to break it right yeah. had you ever kissed anybody else in your lives no 
Oh my Ooh, God. Let's find. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, before that. No. Never. And after, sorry, after too. No. Um, okay. What's weird too is like thinking about who was at the wedding. It was like people that I was working with at the time, mm. which is like, ooh. They saw me kiss for the, it's just like, it's that's so, weird. so yeah. weird. But that's the thing. It's like, I was thinking that the other day, there are people there that like, not people you worked with, not people I was friends with, people that just would come from the church because they want to see that. They want to see like that they're just getting married. This is their first kiss. And it was like always the big buildup of like, that they're kissing for the first time. And it'd be like, I don't even really know that person. Okay. All right. Yeah. You want to hear something really fucked up. Uh, that's why we're here. We, we had a tame ceremony <laughs> by some standards. Like there were people getting married that were they instead of kissing, they would wash each other's feet. Come on. Yeah. And they kissed still too. Okay, yeah, but no <laughs> one remembers the washing. kiss. <laughs> the takeaway of that wedding was they the washed each other's feet. feet. With no music yeah. on it. was very it was, it, 200 With music. And everybody just it. sat there and watched. Yeah. yeah. It was just very sexual. water was very sloshing around. Yeah. <laughs> it was like ghost. Oh, my gosh. So... Sweet. I, and we're going to get off this in a second because I do want to get back to Sarah this purity to to culture on the altar. So after you got married, how much longer were you guys involved in this church? And when, what was the tipping point for you guys? Because I know that you are no longer in it. Spoiler. <laughs> well, we didn't leave North Carolina until we had already had our two kids. I know we were, I personally felt more um like pulling away from it not in the sense of I wanted to leave church but I remember feeling a lot more judged because I think I noticed it more when I became a mom just in the sense of how they wanted me parenting and they're big on spanking we didn't want to spank our kids um they would judge us for putting a boy in a pink shirt like there was just little things like that that I remember being this because that would make him gay yeah, well, it does. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's how it works. I mean, were these things that like church leaders would say to you directly or was no, it a feeling? The community. Or... It's just the community. More of like, uh -huh. you know, the women within the church would kind of come over and want to talk about whether or not you're breastfeeding and why would you not do that? And, you know, are you spanking? We should mention they also had things called accountability groups that we would have to go to where you would sit down and have an accountability partner and have to talk to them about what you did wrong that week or like what you're struggling with. And they would hold you accountable by like asking you about it. So there are things like that, that you would, you know, admit something that you're struggling with or like, did that feel good for you? Cathartic no. for you? Or did it feel terrible? No, it's like it's an exchange of, of terrible <laughs> information. And it's like, not, you're not allowed it's to confession be that, in yeah. a public setting or not uh -huh. public, but at least like not safe, but not you know? to a priest. Yeah. And it wouldn't and be like your yeah. friend. You weren't allowed to pick a friend. It had to be someone maybe you didn't even really get along with. It had to be like, we all have information about what was like the most bizarre thing that you heard somebody admit to. Can you think of anything? I mean, I feel like all the ones I was in was just like women being like, you know, I, I thought about a boy today or, you know, I'm struggling Disgusting. with like Gross. cleaning my house. It, it was never, anything. nobody ever admitted to having like homosexual feelings or anything like it's that. All, it's all, it's all too like theological. So like, it's just like issues of the heart and, at that point, you're pretty much like, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe people were doing stuff that they didn't want to admit, but I mean, yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it was more about things like, yeah, I, uh, I was, I had felt proud. I, there was pride in my heart over this thing. And, oh, yeah. you had envy or something. Yeah, exactly. I was still okay being in it because I felt like I've grown up in it. So I hadn't known anything else. I felt like that was still a safe that's the safe place. I don't know people outside of, I don't know a life outside of, I'm a stay at home mom. I'm probably going to homeschool my kids. Like it's just what I was raised to do. Um, I think it was more Topher that kind of took the lead on. Yeah. Leaving. I was like, again, I, I was in it only by force mm -hmm. and 
growing up in those very formative years, I think a lot of it was just I was a good kid and I didn't want to rock the boat. And I had seen other kids who like, quote unquote, rebelled and they're basically ostracized, given no support, no therapy, nothing to like actually help them. They're basically, yeah, abused, spanking, whatever, mentally, emotionally. Um, Physically. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I was seeing that being like, you know what, I'm just going to kind of, I'll just stay on the sidelines, do what I need to do, just basically get through it. Um, but then, yeah, I also obviously made decisions <laughs> that were affected by that. Um, so, and, and I was there like supporting my mom. Um, so I never really fully bought into it. And that's, that's the thing that I have the most like shame and, and like, uh, yeah, shame over is that I pretended to be this person for years, even as a quote unquote adult. I mean, we were still young when we left, but, um, I was old enough to know, um, and I didn't do anything about it, you know, and ultimately I did. But even those, those years where I knew I was faking it, I, I like wish I could have, I wish I could have those back. And, um, yeah. Have you talked to your mom about those feelings? Uh, I've tried. Mm. Um, we no longer talk. Um, I had to, after a lot of therapy, I've had to just kind of keep her away. Um, because, you know. I can't heal and move on when the party who has hurt me is willing to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it just got to the point very, obviously very difficult because like I have kids and yeah, I don't want that relationship to be broken forever Mm -hmm. and not, not saying it'll be forever, but do you remember that day, that decision that, well, no. So uh, that's what I mean. Like, it's just, uh, thankfully I was, um, I had years of other people like my dad, family in Connecticut, giving me, planting enough seeds of doubt. And also, you know, once you're outside of it, you start working, you start interacting with the world, Mm -hmm. you start having questions that don't line up, that just don't feel right. Like it just didn't feel right. Um, Didn't make sense. Like, why should I have hostility towards uh, someone who's gay? Like, why? It doesn't feel right. This person is kind, loving, uh, a lot nicer than you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, not, not you, but, uh, <laughs> well, probably, yeah, Ouch. Yeah. Um, Ouch, Katie. Ouch. so it just didn't line up with reality. And that's, you know, that's why we grew up in, a, in an isolated environment. And that's mm-hmm. why you're homeschooled because those questions are impossible to really answer with, with the you know, system of thought that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so for me, I basically just got fed up and I, it was causing issues with our marriage. It was causing issues with like, it just wasn't, it didn't feel good anymore. You know, like we felt guilty all the time. We just weren't matching up. We were being told to answer your question earlier. Like we were being told directly, Hey, you, you, you're, you're showing too much skin to, Ooh, to buy. Yeah. For that a lot. Now, I was also showing a lot of skin too, but no, that, no one was complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure yeah. everyone was loving was that. Someone. That's why no one said anything. Yeah. Leading worship, just yeah. like, you know, flee. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling someone I remember being totally treated like I was a whore and it was just like I kissed on the altar I'm, I'm just married like I just but just because of 
not being subservient and not being well women are just sort of like born whores like yes. you can't, in religion i feel like no i mean that's yeah. sort of like our yeah. definition and it's just well, like, it always and i'll goes die a that. whore <laughs> cradle to grave baby yeah. <laughs> she just she stays committed and dedicated yeah. to her you. craft uh, you know thank well you. okay so i think <laughs> one of the biggest issues that i have with it religion kind of as a whole is that it strips you from your individuality, your identity. It tries to make you a carbon copy of all of us, right? Like, so if there's one person in this group of people who somehow is different, it's mm-hmm. like, we must make you like one of us. Otherwise, something's not right here. Mm-hmm. My parents used to compare it to breaking a horse. They would say when they were like spanking us or anything like that, that you're supposed to break the will of a horse in order for it to do what you want. And that's kind of how their mindset on children was like, we have to break your will. You have to do what we yeah. want. Mm. But like sex in particular is. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. That just came out this of is, nowhere, I feel like. But well, no, yes. it's, it's such like an individual thing um, that you have to conform, right? Like, so if someone feels differently, it's, yeah, it's a threat. And so I, I do. Do think, you mean in terms of sexuality yes, or yes, just yes, in yes. terms of sexuality? Sex. Yeah. Got it. Um, and obviously there's a lot of fear around it. You know, there's a lot of like, they do to try to control it. Um, you know, like my mom and stepdad didn't believe in birth control, which is obviously not like that extreme. There's a lot no. of people that, that do that, but it very Me much neither, like, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very much like the Duggars where it was like, this, this is all up to God. So that's to answer your original question, sovereign <laughs> grace, the sovereignty of God is basically the thing that controls everything. And the grace part means you know what? He's doing it for all of our goods. All that is also like a load of shit because anytime you say that to someone, they're like, well, what about all the fucked up things that happen in the world? Like, how does that work? Or the and fucked up things that happened in your church. Yeah. That's and many well, yes. other so, churches. Yes, That's exactly. God's allowing so it to happen. It's, it's an excuse, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's also just a way to feel to sleep at night. Well, I think they look at it too as we all are sinful. So anything that bad that happens is like directly punishment from God. I remember them saying Katrina was punishment because New Orleans was so sinful, like things like that. Like they just were yeah. very much like if something bad happens, like what did what did you maybe do? And that you know? can take on so many terrible assumptions about people, about class, race, uh, all, oh my. Um, you know, sexuality, <laughs> all that stuff. I mean, it really goes to the basest part of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why... I- last time I spoke to my mom was the day after the election because it was like, I can't handle this anymore. These, these, uh, it, yeah, I get so upset because you hold so tightly to these things and you ram it down our throats and you tell us to believe this shit. And then you go and support this awful piece of shit only so that you can get your agenda. It's like, so where's the sovereignty of God there? You know? But what is the, uh, here's the yeah, question. What is the agenda? What is the, the agenda? What, what do they it's think taxes. the agenda it's of sim- Donald Trump is it's that not. it all purposefully follows whatever they believe in? This makes no Abortion. sense to me. Abortion's a very big, yeah. big That's all it is. Deal. It's, uh, he's been married twice. He's cheated on, he's fucked porn stars. Um, how is that? Why just remind me of how that, that, that aligns with their, their cause and message. Uh, I really do okay. want to know. I'll Thank play you. devil's advocate. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, let's hear it, Chris. <laughs> Topher, you're uh, a real. Well, <laughs> I mean, you you could be describing uh, King Solomon. You could uh, be describing. Oh, Donald old Trump. King right, Solomon. Right. I know yeah. all of Break his it down. I have. No, I, but go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I'm just saying that's like 
God's yeah, will can be done even through all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So they 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 see him probably as a vessel for the will of God, right? So like abortion, that's that has to be overturned in their minds. Like that is number one priority. Um, Rape though is cool. That's sovereignty it's the will of God. Of God. I'm sorry, what, Topher? Yeah, that's what, did what you they say? would say. That's the sovereignty of God. It's yeah, because, God, yeah, God's they believe will. very much. I remember talking, I mean, growing up being taught, obviously, that having an abortion is, like, maybe the one thing that would be, like, the worst thing I could ever do. Because... But, um, definitely. <laughs> but um, now he just made me lose. Uh, trying to keep sorry. your woman down. Yeah. Oh, but <laughs> saying, down. Like, uh, I'm sorry for speaking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I Please, to ask permission. Yeah. I did. Quiet. I'm so sorry. Bye. You she, I know five more seconds. You have, <laughs> you have five more seconds to talk, and then it's just Topher. No, but I remember my parents saying, like, even if you were raped and got pregnant, that that would be the will of God that you got pregnant, and therefore you keep it because. But I'm not even talking about abortion. I'm oh, talking about. Donald Trump is a is a sexual predator. Yeah. Well, they don't um, so want to admit that. Right. I mean, uh, well, my, no, they don't want to admit that. No, about their own. I had a whole conversation with my dad talking about how like all these women are always accusing these men now, and like not all of them could have been sexually assaulted. And you're like, Wait, what? Mm. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, that does that's super like, logical. Oh, yeah, poor yeah. Men. The, the weird thing though is he's like the staunchest defender of Bill Cosby as well. Oh, he loves Bill wow. Cosby. It's like yeah, because who guys dad? Yeah, yeah, I think honestly, if he if he <laughs> Went there with Bill Cosby, then he'd have to go there with Donald Trump. Truth. And that's like, that's the core issue. So like you take it to any extreme and they apply the same, it's very black and white, right? Makes no sense. So if I, those two things can't be true at the same time. We have to pick one. Because if Bill Cosby's guilty, then so is Donald Trump. And he can't be guilty because we gotta, we gotta get, you know, X, Y, Z done. I think there's such a, obviously there's a, a, a power initiative that is involved in evangelical and and many organized religions to begin with. I mean, my mother has uh, fought for many years about why can't women be uh, priests? Um, And she's not, you know, she was brought up Catholic. She saw that as a career path for you? Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She was like, you're not being a fucking nun. You're going straight to the top. (laughs) Um, But uh, I could see that being a good fit for you. (laughs) Yeah, me too, right? A life of celibacy. Oh, my God. Okay. Fleabag. Watch it. Um, You don't have to be. No, I'm just kidding. But um, there's such a power struggle and, and women are so third rate um, in many organized religions. And it seems like within this, the ability to align with what Donald Trump's ideology is, because he's not a religious person, which I find comical that again, any evangelicals, we don't have to go down a Donald Trump road, but um, it just speaks to how little Vi um, and obviously me and Katie, but mostly Katie, um, are looked upon as just like mm-hmm. you don't you don't have a brain you don't have a thought you don't you are a body who is just yeah. built for yeah. um, baby making as well as you know teaching your children and that's it yeah I mean we had women's meetings like monthly where like we would have all the women come together and we would talk about how to be not we talk I you listen to whoever's teaching <laughs> tell us how to be better women and I remember kind of near the end before we we moved away uh, they even brought up like a fifties. Like they kind of made it a joke, but they were like, this is actually really great about like how to be a good wife. And it was talking about like when your husband comes home, like don't tell him any of the problems you've had that day because his day is harder. And like you should have like a bath drawn for him and make him his favorite drink and like make sure the kids are clean. And I remember just being like, are you seriously teaching this? Like, and then, you know, these women's meetings too would be like if a man is there in the room, 
we weren't allowed to teach. Like women can't teach if there's a man in the room, like, cause only women can teach women. I mean, it was a big deal when I don't remember if it was Methodists or whoever basically allowed female priests. Yeah. It was like scandalous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's really, they really do raise you. I feel like that's been one of my biggest obstacles of getting outside of that and realizing that like I'm allowed to have things I want to do and I don't have to just be mom, wife, spiritual, like support help. <laughs> yeah. So even though you guys are now disconnected from the church formally, mm-hmm. how does it still infiltrate how you feel about yourself and the world and how you raise your kids and your relationship to your families and your friends? I have a lot of anger (laughs) that I have been trying to work through. Uh, I mean, I'm joking, kind of, but um, the black and white mentality for me is something that I didn't even know that I had um, until going to a therapist. And she was like, you know, there are other options here. Like, you don't have to hate yourself. Uh, (laughs) um, So that, but the black and white thinking like applies to everything. And it's crazy how many just ways that manifests itself. Um, So that's kind of how it, it still plagues me. Um, and also I think, yeah, just a healthy dose of self-loathing because you grow up being told, yeah, you're a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. Um, and you need someone to come in and, and, and save your soul. Um, and obviously a lot of shame around just everything from sex to, yeah, just how you feel about yourself, you know? Um, how did that, I I hate to get into your sex lives and answer as much or as little yeah, as you like. Yeah, she hates it. Uh, it's so hard for me. <laughs> um, but like, what is that like, you know, for many of us, for me, I'll speak for myself, being able to explore that side of my, I mean, I'm still not married and shockingly, I'm not a virgin. Um, you know, you what? get to explore, <laughs> you get to explore I'm done. This all of those things. Over. <laughs> <laughs> what is that like finding out who you are as a, as a, yeah adult sexual person with your first partner and the committed love of your life. What is that like? I mean, I think it just translates in general to how we've had to deal with being married and recognizing that we were married at 19 and, you know, who we are now is different than who we were then and what we wanted, what we thought we wanted, how we communicated, what we thought our roles were. I think it's just been the, we have to kind of just do this together and kind of figure it out and try to listen and support each other. And I think we've had lots of ups and downs because of all of that. And just being like, listen, we're married. And I think, I feel like in some ways it didn't click, like, what did we just come from until we were, you know, we had a, you know, five and a seven year old and it's like, no, we're now married and have kids and we have to figure this out. Um, And I think it's been having to be like, let's figure it out together. I mean, we got, also, we got very lucky. Uh, mm-hmm. I definitely believe in luck. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, honestly, it's just a matter of we're learning to communicate still. Um, and you did luck out to her, yeah. by the way. Yeah, She's I know. Yeah. <laughs> kind of amazing. But I, yeah, luck, but it also sounds to me like you guys have and, are, and continue to put in the hard work that it takes to. Um, realize that you're not happy in that position and break out of it and yeah. work through that basically for the rest of your lives, right? Because it never really does go away. So, I mean, I give credit to you both. I mean, I don't think it's just luck. I mean, yeah. um, it's something that you've had to make happen for yourself because think about for every one of you, think about how many other people who are, are still trapped in that cult mentality and who yeah. still, you know, are following that lifestyle to their own detriment. 
you know? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, the luck really is just like we like the same stuff. That's really, yeah, well, that's like, cool. Yeah, we still know, like just each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We have shared interests and uh, still attracted to each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, guys, yeah. calm down. Whoa. I mean, the sexual tension in here yeah. is palpable, <laughs> and it's making Katie soups uncomfy. Oh yeah, um, can't stand it. <laughs> but what were some of your first experiences outside of it? I have a really distinct memory. We moved, I think you were getting to that, but we moved to California, which is kind of our first leaving North Carolina away from my parents for the first time. Can I jump in? Yeah. Okay. So we went from North Carolina, the like epicenter of every fucked up law that's ever passed, (laughs) right? Like the bathroom law, all that shit. To Berkeley, California, like you wow. could not get more polar opposite <laughs> yeah. in terms of conservative to liberal. So, and you're like, "What bathroom do I go into?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. all of them. <laughs> yeah. Anyone, take your pick. Everything is natural here. So yeah. There was no bathroom. Well, just say, and right, you just go your boss yeah. was a lesbian couple, and it was the first time I'd even been around someone that I knew was gay. And turns I, out, and did nice. your head explode? What it did in the sense of I have distinct memories. We went to like a potluck, and it was like all of his coworkers, and it was like I mean, it's stupid in Berkeley anyway. It was like a, a garden with like lemon trees growing, and it's like the perfect weather. Paradise. And obviously, everyone's foodies, and you're just like, what? What is this? Where am I? Yeah. <laughs> but I, it was like the first moment of being like, we're all sitting and like talking about normal things. We're talking about food and like wine and movies, and it wasn't us having to talk about. God or talk about our sin or talk about like anything like that. And I was just like, I'm having such a good time without guilt. And these people seem like really normal and nice accepting, and, and they're kind. Like they, they treat me better than the people that I grew up with that were supposed to really care about me. And I think it was a huge moment for me of being like, huh. the contrast was so stark. Yeah. Like these and are you'd better only, people. Sorry. Yeah. And you'd only known them for a short yeah, and they were time. awesome. They were like his bosses and were like, let us watch your kids so you guys can have a date night. Like they were just amazing people. And it was just a moment of being like, huh, maybe what I've been taught isn't really right. Because, yeah, you're not exposed to it, right? Like because obviously if you are gay in that, you have to hide it. Um, and I think that's also like the contrast of the freedom that they had in just who they were. They knew who they were. And the joy that comes with that is something that like – I didn't have. I was still living a, a double life. I was having to hide who I was. Um, I didn't even know who I was. I think, you know, it's interesting you say that because, I mean, I had never thought about it before, but I feel like that's something that people who have that freedom throughout their lives, it's something that we really take for granted. Like, yeah. I never really had to hide who I was growing up. I didn't feel that way. And I have never really put any thought into the fact that that's a true... Um, Privilege. Lux- privilege. That, thank you. That's the word I was I was looking for. It's a true privilege to be able to um, live in that world. So yeah. I think there's upsides and down. I mean, not, there's a lot of downsides, obviously, to having to grow up in a way where you have to hide your identity. But I think on the other side of it, essentially, we had to come out, right? Like, and that I think the release that comes with that, like, you you do have to do so much internal searching. If you didn't have that, I'm not saying you wouldn't know who you are or anything like that, but I think it forces it to be so, um, you really have to search for who you are you and make a decision are, almost. Yeah. yeah. Right. And we were doing That's that true. married with two kids. Right. Yeah. I don't really care who I am. I just like, you want you to know, live. Oh my God. I just, live I just want a day. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you mind if we transition to, um, a little bit about the, of the bigger picture and talk yes. about some of the scandals yeah. that have been surrounding that have surrounded, um, sovereign Do you guys yes, need any more wine? Uh, <laughs> they need a, an entire barrel to talk about this one. So tell us a little bit about the, um, the uh, child abuse accusations that occurred against some of the leadership of the organization that you guys grew up in. 
So we had been going through this transitional period um, maybe a year or two before that scandal broke. We hadn't like officially like released Washed ourselves from the shackles. We were still looking of, for churches. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, not necessarily, but we were. <laughs> if anyone was asking, we were still looking for yeah, churches. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's more accurate. Yeah. Um, we have some callers. <laughs> they are asking. We too uh, are still you. looking for yeah. churches. So officially, sort of broken. Um, we moved to Brooklyn. Um, I had yeah. I had been sort of mentally, we hadn't really talked about it, but inside I had already been like, yeah, fuck this, I'm out. There's no way I'm doing this. Um, when that scandal broke, it like shook like everything. What was that scandal? That scandal was essentially shocking no one, uh, <laughs> child sex abuse that was tried, uh, attempted to be covered up by the leadership of the, of the church. And it was rampant. By the pa- all... was it the pastors or it was, it was I don't no it was uh, they had people they weren't screening people for childcare so basically you join the church to you know cover up whatever you want to cover up and you anyone wants to take any you know it's hard because like you know I was reading the news about it and so it's very much very clear I think within the church they say that the um, childcare person was trying to spank the child and that. You know, therefore, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't sexual where you know, I think we know it was. And yeah. the big scandal was really that the leadership of the church tried to cover it up. Yes. Right. The leadership wanted, um, I think it became the statute of limitations issue. I think that's why there was a lawsuit as opposed to criminal charges, because basically the um, pastors brought the child into the room with the adult that was the offender and said, this person is sorry. We want you to forgive them. And kind of were like, now we're not going to talk about it. And I think as the child grew up, realized that wasn't okay and brought a lawsuit. Wow. So they made that person say, I forgive you to the person that abused them. The idea of that is horrifying. Yeah. I have really no words for that. Yeah. I can't imagine what that... The sad thing is, is that it's not that fucking shocking. I think in the sense of like, I, I feel like they raised... I mean, I don't know how you felt. I, I felt like I was told so much how good our church was and how it was the right one and the best one and that you trust it. And I think that moment for me, I remember reading it on the couch when we were living in Brooklyn and just being like, everything I've been taught is now a lie to me because you made me feel like that was the place I was safe and that was the place my children were safe. And that could have been my kid. Like that very well could have been my kid. And it just made me be like, if I'm questioning all, like part of it, I'm questioning all of it. No, done. Well said, because I, I, I can't imagine how that would feel to have everything that you ever were taught mm-hmm. come crumbling down and in, and in such an insidious way, you yeah. know, not just like, oh, this guy like lied about his, you know, he's really from New Jersey, but he said he was from Manhattan because right. that by the way is it's... terrible. Um, <laughs> I think it's rude. Uh, I think also because they were leaders we knew, like these were people, people covering up were people that I looked up to, people that we went to these conferences and saw speak or the guy that would come to our church and pray for me. You know, Mm -hmm. like it was people that we tangibly had, you know, it's like when you read about it for other churches, it's like, oh, that's, that's them. So to have something where it's so hitting close to home. And did you guys know anyone personally that was abused? Sexually? Yeah. Sexually. Otherwise. (laughs) I don't know anybody that's um, sexually abused. Not sexually, but yeah, I mean physically, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, as a child, by a church leader. 
Um, well, I mean, not just by parent, every I mean, authority figure. Yeah, parents, other parents are allowed to spank other kids. And just so, spanking. Uh, my my stepdad basically again because they take everything so literally. They look to scripture to inform what how should we discipline our kids. So there's a uh, scripture that says, "Spare the rod, spoil the child." Right? Mm-hmm. Everyone has heard that, and it's like, yeah, I get it. Right? Like, don't let a kid be a little piece of shit and get away with it. No, for them, they literally went to Home Depot and they looked at what a, bought a rod. They literally looked at what a rod, the equivalent of a rod back in those times would be. And they bought like a wow. three-quarter inch dowel. And they'd find right. ones that and wouldn't leave a mark so that I was get in trouble. Yeah. Like, yes. It was called, get ready, the wisdom worker. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just buy a lot of squeezies for my kids <laughs> when they're annoying. And I'm like, here, eat this. But maybe yeah. I'll try. I'm just so, I mean, it's I remember growing up hearing my, my little stepbrother just, I mean, yeah. <gasps> Yeah, I had that with my brother as well. Bend over, then just like screaming. And it's like, yeah, that, that can't be good. And because and, this was not your father? No, not my that father. That never happened. Right, it was your stepfather. So this never happened to you personally. I mean, I oh, do yeah. it to him if he's not behaving. Yeah, now. but that's oh, different. To, to Topher. Yeah, that's Turn yeah. Well, that we, kinda, we can go right back yeah. to this sex conversation. So there is... Um, there's something called SGM Survivors. Are you guys now? That's it's a, um, a website of people that have survived that, that are similar yeah. to you, I suppose, yeah. that have been part of the church and are now out of it. Are you guys an active part of that, or I do you- dipped in, dipped out? I was like, you know what? I'm glad there are other people out there, but I got to move on with my life. Mm. I, I can't. Some yeah. of the people I've had people that we went to church with reach out to me, and it's kind of where they're at is not where I'm at, and it becomes a very um, it doesn't feel like they're not to be like, I'm not going to talk to you if you're not healthy, but it's in, you know, the way that they want to rehash it is just like, this is not, you know, I, I can't yeah. do it that way. So you feel like it's doing more harm than good? No, no, people, I don't, I don't think don't, so. No, no, I think it's, it's personally. I yeah. Think just, got it. Yeah. I think people need to know that there are others out there that have experienced this and yes, it is fucked up. It's, it, it makes you feel better about the t- decisions that you've made to, to leave. Um, and it just validates, you know, things that you were probably feeling like a crazy person. Do you thinking. have any regrets? Well, I have a lot of regrets. Leaving, leaving the church. <laughs> leaving the church. Oh, no. Oh, hell no. I, my only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. That mm-hmm. is my biggest regret. And how long has it been now since you guys left? I think our, what, what we moved I to was 2000. 23. Yeah, I was it, 24. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. But you guys are like, what, 27 now? Yeah. yeah. I will say, I think one of, I don't remember who asked, but I will say it is the moments where our kids, knowing that our kids don't remember it at all and they don't. Like certain things, they just don't know what it means. Makes me really happy. Like I, they've asked me questions just from having friends that go to church. But I think they heard the word sin and just didn't know what it meant. And it made me so happy. Mm. I was just like, good. No, they heard don't. the word crucifix, and everyone in their class was like, "You don't know what a crucifix is." It's like, I was like, he doesn't yeah. need to wow. know what that is. Why does he need to know what yeah. crucifying someone means? Like that's horrifying. <laughs> I know it's not bedtime it's story, knowledge. kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. So it makes me happy that they. I, I feel like we've worked really hard to built them into a position of saying, you know, you get to choose what you believe. And we believe in being good people and believe in loving one another and not judging each other. One of the best things that our our youngest did was when her mom was visiting, uh, babysitting while we were on vacation, uh, they, of course talked about God. And she likes to try to filter it in when we're not around. Mm. Yeah. Which really irritates your parents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but thankfully they're like, great little kids that know yeah, because it's like you don't need to be taught that it's just kind of naturally born in you to be a decent person um 
so you should see what both kids said. They both had great answers. One, our youngest was like, I'm a polytheist. I believe in many gods. And I was like, that is the best. Dude, awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> really a throwback, you know. Uh, our oldest was just like, I believe in reincarnation. Wow. Was, and she was just like, no. She must have been horrified. No. I have to say, you know, sitting here with the two of you, number one, I know your children and they are fucking the coolest kids in the entire world. I mean, period, bar none. They're older than Katie's, so I can say it. She has pretty <laughs> cool kids say, too, but they're, they're, they're much younger. <laughs> they are so creative and like alternative and cool and they definitely have their own minds and they are kind and they're just, they, adults don't make them intimidated. They can have a conversation. But also watching the two of you and how you communicate and how you let her speak and she lets you speak. Like Katie and I don't even do that with each other. Right. Um, so I feel like, you know, I I can only imagine through what you've told us and what I have seen on the interwebs in terms of how you grew up um, and in two totally different ways. But it must be hard to to be as healthy as the two of you are. And I'm sure you're for, for people who are still in your religion slash, I call it a cult because yeah. that's who I fucking am. Yeah. Um, you're like a shining star because knowing that you could be, you could have your first kiss at the altar and what, 15 years later, still be married, raising two really cool kids living in New York and, away from your families and making decisions on your own when that was never really something a way that you were brought up. And as we said before, we take it for granted. Like you should be so proud of how fucking cool you guys are and hot. They're really, (laughs) really good looking. They're very good looking. Uh, Yeah. Right. (laughs) Do you have any, um, I don't know if advice is the right word, but any sort of like how do you live your lives in terms of faith now? I think we're pretty different on this one. I, I think I have a general, I still, I wouldn't say, I don't know. I'm definitely not a Christian. I think I still believe in the idea of a higher power. I believe in energies. I think I'm way more spiritual. Um, I don't like, I think I, I steer away from defining it as any such thing. I think I just am more, I'm like, I'm open. I believe in energy and love and, you know. <laughs> and and Topher, you don't believe in love? I no, I don't. I don't believe in love. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm joking. But like Sweet Jesus, I'm he's really, me. I'm a pessimist, yeah. Um I have to overcome a lot of like cynicism and yeah. We all do. We're New Yorkers. Yeah. So yeah. Um I think it makes us a good balance for each other though. Yeah, I mean I, I don't really have a belief other than just I don't know, be kind. Um That's a perfect belief. Yeah, I love that. Uh-huh. Honestly, I think compassion is the answer, right? Like we would all be in a much better place if someone just thought about the other person, where they were coming from, um, and just didn't hold on so tightly to, you know, these truths that you think are absolute, you know, and mm-hmm. just have a conversation and listen, like the country would be in a better place. The world would be in a better place. And Topher, what's your, uh, obsession these days? Um, other than Vi. Okay. <laughs> yes, obviously. Podcasts. Um, oh. Being on them. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. What a Oh, you have another ass. one scheduled uh, right now. This. Eight o'clock. Gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go talk to Alec. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's funny. He's a guest on, oh, nice. on our show yeah. next. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've just started getting into this is very real time here. Okay. Oh, good. Like as That's of what this we're week. For. Okay. She doesn't even know about it yet. Uh, Breaking news. I got, I'm into David Cronenberg. I'd never. Uh, his his film, the director. Yeah, his, oh. his films. Have you watched? Have you seen any of his stuff? 
Yeah, it's what, real what, what weird. What has he done? Uh, he did like The Fly. But uh, he did the oh. movie about the asphyxiation when you're driving. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, crash. Crash. Oh, not, crash. Not to be confused I remember with, that one. With, yeah. With, with yeah, the ship. The other one. Crash, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Although I think it won an Academy Award or something. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Different movie. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, as of like this week, I'm like going all in on, on Cronenberg, which is probably not good for my mental health because it is like real disturbing, but also it's like a blind spot. I have a ton of blind spots as part of growing up in this environment. So I'm like constantly on the lookout for, all right, like this year I made a concerted effort to like, I need to be, I need to be more well-versed in like hip hop. I, we weren't allowed to listen to rap. I was going to say, so do you, when you're around your peers now and they mention things oh, from growing up, are you kind of like, ha yeah. yeah, I remember that. And you're like, shit, what was that? Because you did, you, quickly you Google. just had, we like exposed yes. for a while, like a bunch of movies, things like that, that we were just like, we, we should have seen this. We need yeah. to watch it. Yeah. Like, so I can at least be like, yes, I know yeah. what that is. I'm like you know Pretty Woman. Is? Did you know who Bill Cosby was before uh, <laughs> he, got, he was I thrown in jail? Yeah. <laughs> Comes full circle. Yeah. You guys are coming back for sure. I don't, I absolutely believe that we haven't scratched the surface. I believe that this is going to be for sure our hardest episode to edit. Um, it could be just six hours just straight up, yeah. but I am, I'm definitely obsessed with these guys. And from what I've seen you build, I'm just, it's very impressive. You guys are so fucking cool. And, um, and thank you for being so open and honest and also, yeah. yeah, but we not, didn't not talk enough anything. about your sex life. So we'll do that next episode. <laughs> we'll do that when we cut off the microphone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when we go out for drinks. Yeah. Thank you guys again Thanks, guys. so much. We'll see you soon. <laughs>